I feel very comfortably, very comfortable preaching the Word of God and the Gospel. I've been doing it since I was 19 years of age. And uh, so I feel very comfortable doing that. I'm always, you know, asking God to do something, but uh, I don't get nervous. You know, I just get uh, have a desire to see God move. But when God asks me to do something a little different, I get nervous. You understand? So uh, <laughs> we, we have a prayer meeting every Friday night here. We gather at 630 and start praying usually about quarter to seven. And we usually pray till about 10 minutes after eight. So it's about an hour and 15 minutes. And it's always a glorious time. And this past Friday night, we, we just had a wonderful time. And we just kind of didn't want to leave because we were experiencing the presence of God. Well, I went out and got in my car. And the moment I pulled out of the driveway, the Lord started me singing. And, you know, I hadn't even think, thought about singing. But I just started singing. And, and it was, it's really a great song. It's just a little chorus. And I sang it two times on the way to my house. Well, I called up one of the men that had been in the prayer meeting and said, man, let me, let me tell you, let me sing this song to you. And he thought, oh, no. <laughs> I said, let me sing this song to you that's just, I'd just been singing ever since that prayer meeting. <clears throat> so he said, uh, go ahead. So I'm going to do it right now. Now, some of you will probably think this ought to be recorded. Others will think it ought to be destroyed. But either way, it's for, this is from the Lord. Now, this is from the Lord. It's for you. And it's the basis for my message today. I'm going to preach on the hand of God. And it's the basis for what I'm going to share with you today. It goes like this. <clears throat> Precious Lord, take my hand. Lead me on. Help me stand. I am weak. I am tired. I am worn. Lead me on through the night. Lead me on. To the light, precious Lord, take my hand and lead me home. Now, that's not a bad song. I can't do it justice, but Brother Ed could do it. So I got to thinking about the words of the song. Lord, take my hand. That's very personal. That is very personal. Lord. Will you take my hand? And Lord, will you lead me? Will you help me to stand? And in our spiritual warfare study, we talk about standing. So Lord, take my hand and help me to stand and then lead me on through the night. Boy, we all go through night times in our life. Lead me on into the light. Precious Lord, take my hand. And lead me home. You know, there's a lot in the Bible about the hand of God. Now, you've got to understand that we believe in God the Father, God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and God the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. In eternity, the Father will be in complete authority when in heaven. He said he'll rule over thing, everything. And then, then Jesus God manifests in the flesh in the Holy Spirit. But when, when we speak about the hand of God, we could be speaking about the hand of Jesus. Or when we speak of the Father, though, we're speaking about His presence because, see, God is a spirit. He is the spirit. He has no physical manifestation. And those who worship Him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Jesus Christ, God manifest in the flesh, is the visible expression of the invisible God. And if I understand the scriptures right, probably 
will never get to glimpse the Father. He is spirit, invisible, and it's just somehow, but we know who we will see. Because all through the book of Revelation, it talks about Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. And he was God manifest in the flesh. And Jesus, the Bible says, we, when we see him, we will see Jesus. We'll be like him because we can see him as he is. So as I got to thinking about the hand of God and all the scriptures that refer to the hand of God, I was thinking of how God's presence, his hand is his presence. His hand is his presence. Or it could be the hand of Jesus, which is his presence. And there were about, let's see, I think there were um, seven things God showed me about his hand. You say, well, I hope I packed a lunch. because No, no, it's not going to be that long. But it's important. Seven things about the hand of God. First of all, it's the nail-scarred hand. You say, well, Brother Fred, why did you begin with that? You tell me the hand of God is the nail-scarred hand. Because that's where it all begins. If you don't, have not placed your hand in the hand of the nail-scarred man, Jesus, the Son of God, then none of the rest of this will really make any sense to you. And so the question is, have you placed your hand in the nail-scarred hand of the Son of God? Let's look at the Scripture. In John 20, 24 through, uh, through 29, I want you to listen to this now. This is Thomas. Jesus has been crucified for our sins. He's been raised from the dead. And now he is appearing the second time to his disciples with his new resurrection body. And Thomas had made the statement, unless I see the print of the nail in his hand and the, where the sword pierced his hand, I am not going to believe. He'd been with Jesus all this time. He said, but I'm not going to believe it till I see him. So it says, <clears throat> now Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. It's on the screen. The other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. And he said to them, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. Well, so guess what happens? We read on. Then Jesus comes and appears again to the disciples and Thomas is there. After eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas was with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the middle of the disciples and said, Peace to you. And listen to this. Don't you know Thomas was sweating right now? Then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here and look at my hands. And reach your hand here. And put it in my side. Do not be unbelieving. But believe. And Thomas said. Boy this is a great confession. Man. Thomas answered and said to him. Thomas answered and said to him. My Lord. And my God. Now the other disciples. Saw Jesus and believed. Thomas said I will. Until I put my hand in the nail print hand. But boy, when he saw Jesus, by the way, he said, my Lord and my God. Jesus didn't say, I'm not Lord. I'm just a prophet or a teacher. Oh, no. And he said, my God. Jesus said, no, you're wrong. I I'm not God. I'm just a, a great man who came to earth. But you see, the truth is, uh, when you confess of Jesus, he is my Lord and my God. You've made the greatest confession you can make on this earth and in this life. And then Jesus said to Thomas this thing, which is very important. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have believed. 
That's us sitting here today. I've never seen him with my eyes. But there are times he's been more real to me than the flesh on my hands. There are times that his presence is so great, I don't want to even get out of that presence. There are times when I felt like he was a million miles away. But that didn't make a bit of difference. But I am telling you, we've never seen him with our eyes, but we've seen him with our spiritual eyes. We've experienced him in our life. You know, that song we love to sing, you ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. And I'm telling you, even though we have not seen him with our eyes, we believe in him and we trust in him. And we have placed our hand in the nail-scarred hand of the Son of God. And we have trusted him for our salvation. Listen, you know, salvation is not in church membership. Salvation is not in the ordinances of the church. Church membership is important. The Lord's Supper is important. Baptism is important. Lord's, salvation is not in good works. It, we, should, we do good works after we're saved. We, we don't do good works in order to be saved. You see, if somebody says, I'm going to do good works, and I'll have enough good works to get saved. No, that's wrong. You, get, you come to Jesus, and that's, all you have to offer him is your sinful life and, and get forgiveness. And then after you come to Jesus, then the good works become a part of your life. The Bible says we are created unto good works. But see, when you place your hand in the nail-scarred hand, you place it in the only person that can save you, the only person that can forgive you. The only person that can give you his righteousness. And the only person when you stand before the Father, he will ask you this. Now, what church did you go to? How much money did you give to the church? How, how often did you attend? And, and, and all that. He's not going to ask you that. No, no. You know what the question will be? Well, what, would you, what did you do with Jesus? What did you do with Jesus? Who was called the Christ? You say, well, I, I, I just... Believed in him, but it never made much difference to me. Or I, I just uh, didn't have time. I kind of ignored him. And well, then when I heard about him, and they told me that he wanted to control my life, and I didn't want anybody controlling my life but me. So really, you know, I, I didn't do very much about Jesus. You know, he's not going to get in the door. He won't get in. Because you see, neither is there salvation in any other. There's no other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And that is all right here in the infallible word of God. So, the hand of God, it is the nail-scarred hand. You know, uh, over in Revelation chapter 5, you know, the, the time had come. The four, first four chapters are behind in the writings of Revelation. And the time has come for the judgment of God to come during the great tribulation. And so there, there was a scroll. And in the scroll were the judgments that were going to be released on the earth. And John, who wrote Revelation under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he couldn't find anybody to take the scroll. And so he said, I wept much because there was no one found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, John, do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. He said, John. Jesus Christ has prevailed. Crucified for our sin, raised from the dead, ascended to the right hand of the Father, and he has prevailed, and he can take the scroll, and he can open it. And, and, and he says, and I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, in the midst of the elders, now get this, stood a lamb. Jesus is the Lamb of God. As though it had been slain. How did they know? Man, they could see the print of the nails in his hand. Having seven horns, seven eyes, which are the seven spirits sent out into the earth. Then he came, Jesus came and took the scroll out of his right hand, who sat on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, 
the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down, each having a harp and golden bowl, which are full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, we sang it, you are worthy to take the scroll to open its seals. Look at this, for you were slain. Evidently, they saw the print of the nails in his hands. And you have redeemed us to God. Hey, you were slain, Jesus. You have redeemed, purchased us, paid for us, bought us, restored us. You have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. So praise God for the saving, saving hand of God. The nail-scarred hand of God. There's another chorus that goes along with this, and I'm going to quote it and not sing it. And you said, amen. Here it is. Uh, uh, I shall know him. I shall know him. When redeemed by his blood, I shall stand. I will know him. I will know him by the print of the nail in his hands. There's the nail-scarred hand of the Son of God, which is our salvation. But then there's the powerful hand of God. And, 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 and boy, let me show you something. That's, when I first read this and then I heard somebody preach on it, I said, uh, this, is, this is strong. It's called the powerful hand of God. It's not only the nail-scarred. It, Precious Lord, take my hand. Lead me on. Let me stand. But it's... Uh, it's a powerful hand. In Luke 14, 20, uh, so, some uh, of the Pharisees and others had been, according to the Scriptures, casting out demons. But Jesus said, and they accused Jesus of casting out demons by the power of the devil. That's what they accused him of. He said, if Satan's divided against Satan, it can't stand. But this is what he said. Now listen to this. If I cast out demons... With the finger of God. <laughs> the finger of God. Surely the kingdom of God has come to you. Amen. And so Jesus was saying, listen. I, in my hand, there is the power of the living God. And when I, if I just cast him out with my finger, you know that the kingdom of God has come upon you. In Matthew uh, 12, 28, he talks about the, that, that the finger of God. He was talking about the Holy Spirit. Look at what he says. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, that was the finger of God. If I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Okay. So it is a powerful hand. You know, none of us here today have the power to live the Christian life. Now, you say, none of us in our own strength has the power to live the Christian life. It is when Jesus Christ comes to live inside of us, and we invite him to come to live inside of us. We invite him. Lord Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I believe God raised you from the dead. And the Bible says, if I call on your name, you would come into my life and save me. And so, I, I mean, we experience the power of, of, of God when we, when we get saved. We do. And, uh, and so it's a powerful hand, the Holy Spirit. But then in Isaiah 40, it talks about it. Now listen, this is about the power in the hand of God. And by the way, God has the final word. And he has all power in heaven and on earth. Behold, the Lord God shall come with a strong hand. When, they came the first, when he came the first time, they mocked him. They spit on him. They plucked his beard out, put a crown of thorns on his head, and mocked the Son of God and nailed him to a cross. But I want to tell you one thing. When Jesus comes back again, he's not coming back as a baby in a manger. He's coming back as the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords who has all authority in heaven and on earth. The mighty son of God. Behold, the Lord God shall come with a strong hand. His arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his work before him. 
And then it goes on in verse uh, uh, 28. Have you not known? Well, I like this. It's such a blessing. Have you not known? No, I, I didn't know. Have you not heard? I, I don't guess I heard. The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak. And all God's people said, Amen. Wow, do we need His power. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might. Boy, how many times have I felt that? Lord, I can't, this is too much for me. I can't handle this. He said, I never said you could. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might, He increases strength. And he goes on, even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Man, that is a great picture of the powerful hand of God. You know, precious Lord, take my hand. Lead me on, help me stand. Lead me on through the night. Lead me on to the light. Boy, we need to have our hand in the hand of the nail-scarred hand. And we need to have our hand in the hand of the powerful hand of God. Then there's another one. It's, it's the guiding hand. Now, let, let me tell you something. I, I, the Lord keeps telling me to, to tell you, and I, I'm going to go back. Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I, I got a scripture that's better for that than what I'm about to tell you. You say, you don't know what you're doing. Yeah, I do. Just stay with me, okay? Okay, the hand of God is a, the saving hand, the nail-scarred hand. It's a powerful hand. The Lord shall rule with a, a, a strong arm. But it's a guiding hand. And man, how we need the guidance of, of the Holy Spirit. The guidance of the Holy Spirit. And so... In Psalm 139, verses 5 through 10. And that's supposed to be up on the screen. And does anybody know where it is? If not, I'll look at it. Oh, here it is. Psalm 139. This is the guy with the saving hand of God, the powerful hand of God, and now the uh, guiding hand of God. You have hedged me behind and before. You've laid your hand on me. What a picture. You've guided me and you've laid your hand on me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high and I cannot attain it. And it, and, and it goes, uh, goes and says, where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? And it goes on and says, if I ascend into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. And it talks about how God lays his hand upon us. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there, now get this, I'm talking about the hiding, guiding hand of God. Even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. Man, it is awesome to know. That we hold on to the hand of the Lord Jesus or, or the Father. And he guides us. He guides us. And boy, that's, you know, when we don't hold his hand. And we say, well, I think I'll try to do it on my own. Boy, that's when we take sidetracks and wrong roads. And right pages we wish we'd never written. But as long as we will keep our hand in the hand of the living God. He'll guide us. He'll guide us. You know, have you ever thought about the words in the 23rd Psalm? Now, we know the first part. The Lord is my shepherd. But now listen to how many times it says, He leads me into green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. And throughout the 23rd Psalm, it just keeps saying, He leads me. He leads me. He leads me. Uh, he, and it, uh, he leads me in the paths of righteousness. The paths of righteousness 
for his name's sake. So listen, it is an awesome thing to be guided by the hand of God. You know, God gives us mind, emotions, and will, and we have the power to make choices. Our soul is powerful. But what we need to do is we need to say to the Father, now I want to do your will. I want to walk in the path that you have for me. So Lord, just take me by the hand and, and you lead me. You know, uh, the 23rd Psalm is a great, great blessing about how the Spirit of God, the hand of God, leads us. It is a guiding hand of God and how important it is. You know, the Bible says that the will of God is good, Romans 12, 1. The will of God is perfect. The will of God is good, and it's perfect, and it's uh, the best on the, the best way that a person could ever go, and that we are to, the will of God is good, perfect, and established, and we need to walk by his hand in the will of God. I am so thankful uh, that the will of God is good, acceptable, and perfect. I'm so glad that, uh, that we have the assurance that God will lead us. In John 15, no, John 10, 27, uh, it tells us about uh, the guiding hand of God. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. There's the guiding hand of God. And then you go on, and there's another aspect of the hand of God. But before I get into that, I want to tell you something um, about holding hands. You know, there, as there are some countries in the world where, whether it's a sister and a sister or a brother and a sister or a family member and a parent, everywhere you, you see them going, they're holding hands. If I recall, I went to Japan so many years ago that I, I just remember I'd see them and all, they were all holding hands. The, whole, the family would just hold hands everywhere they went. Man, that was kind of a connection. You know what I mean? Kind of a connection. I saw one of our couples today. I'd like to call their name, but I'm not going to do it. But they were walking in the church, and guess what they were doing? They had to be married 40 years. I mean, have to be. That's maybe a little stretching it. But you know what they were both doing? They were holding hands. I said, you know, that's a sign of being connected. That, that's a sign of oneness. And, and that's the same thing with us and God. When we say, God, I want to hold your hand, your saving hand, your powerful hand, your guiding hand, it's, it's a sign of intimacy. It's a sign of being connected. It's a sign that there's nothing between you and the person whose hand you're holding. Oh, yeah. I've known times when my wife got mad at me and she would not hold my hand. <laughs> and that wasn't right. Of course, it was my fault, but still, it didn't matter. But I, I want you to get that connection here, that, that there's something about the hand of God. And it's his presence. But it's so, so important. Well, there's the na nail-scarred hand, the saving hand of God. There's the powerful hand. Uh, the Lord will, Lord's hand will rule in power. There's the guiding hand. But there's the helping hand. The helping hand of Jesus. It's found in uh, Psalm 138.7. No, it's not. It is found in um, Isaiah 41. Okay, Isaiah 41. 10 and 13. I want you to look at this. Now, this is the helping hand of God. Fear not, for I am with you. That's a pretty good statement, isn't it? Fear not, I am with you. Boy, I thank you, Lord. I, I, I just want to thank you right now that you're with me, and you've been with me ever since I got saved. And, Lord, I, I thank you that you're with all these people here in this congregation that are saved. But I'm just thankful you're with us, Lord. I'm thankful. What would it be if you were not with us? For I the, Fear not, for I am with you. Hey, by the way, if you know he's near you, 
uh, you won't be afraid. Isn't it interesting? Fear not, I am with you. Since I am with you, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. It's the presence of God. You're holding his hand that takes away fear. Fear not, I am with you. Be not dismayed, I am your God. Then he gives us a promise. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. He says, I'm going to uphold you with my hand. There is the helping hand of God. You know, one of the great illustrations, and we've all seen it, but it's still, it's still something we need to see. In the Christian life, sometimes we're walking on the beach. We'll use that as an illustration. And there are two sets of footprints, two, and then two over here, two, uh, four footprints. And you go about 100 yards down, and then just all of a sudden, there's just two footprints. And you say, well, what in the world? Did they just vanish? What happened to them? And of course, you know the story. Oh no, that's what it was. Here was a Christian walking with, hand in hand with Jesus. And they got weary and they got worn and they got under a heavy load. And they said, Lord, I don't know if I can make it. I don't know if I can make it. Their circumstances were crashing in on them. So Jesus reaches over and says, well, since you can't make it, I'll just carry you. I'll carry you. I'll uphold you. I'll uphold you with my righteous right hand. So you say, Brother Fred, I'm so weak. I've got so many circumstances against me. Uh, that I, I really, I'm praying. I'm seeking God. I'm, I'm resisting the enemy. But, boy, I tell you, sometimes I just don't feel like, hey, well, listen, just say, tell the Lord, would you just hold me up right now with your righteous right hand? Lord, you need to carry me. I need to be carried. You say, that's a sign of weakness. Guess what? You are weak. <laughs> Hello. You say, you don't know how strong I am. Yeah, I do. You're not very strong if you feel that way. So there, there's the helping hand of God. You know, I, I know people that would get in a situation, and they were not yet Christians. And, and they would, and, 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 and this is... Uh, not theologically correct, but it eventually led to their salvation. They just went a mess, and they knew it, and they just said, help me, God. I think it's one of our members was on crystal meth and was living in the woods, and, and he was about to die, and all he said he knew to say was, help, help me, and God did. God did. It's the helping hand of God, and God will help you. He'll lead you to understand what it is for Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. But he, he will. It, it says, for I, the Lord your God, will hold your right hand, saying to you, fear not, I will help you. Man, where would we be without God's help? My goodness, where in the world would we be? I know we'd be in bad shape. Well, let's look at the next. See, I'm on number five, and we've only got seven. I am moving real good. All right, I've talked about the saving hand of God, the nail-scarred hand. I've talked about the powerful hand of God. And then I've talked about the guiding hand of God. And now we've talked about the helping hand of God. But, boy, this will bless you, and it will help you. We're going to talk about the protective hand of God. How God's hand protects us. And, and we read in Psalm 138, verse 7. Listen to what it says. And this describes where some of us are right now. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. You will stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand will save me. I am going to read that again. I like it so much. I love it. And the Lord knows how we needed it. Though I walk in the midst of trouble. Have any of you ever walked in the middle of trouble? Have you? Any of you? None of you have ever walked in the middle of trouble? If you've walked in the middle of trouble, raise your hand. Thanks. Now, we've got, we're an honest group. <laughs> God had a lot of, uh, 
uh, sons and daughters, but he didn't have any without. Father didn't have any without who had times of trouble. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. In other words, you'll give me new life. The revive means life again. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. You will stretch forth your hand against who? The wrath of my enemies. If it's demonic spirit putting thoughts in your mind, and it may be coming through people that you are being harassed, or it may be because of uh, wrong choices that you made, and, and you're under a feeling of condemnation or guilt, and that really has become your enemy. He said, you will stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand will save me. Boy, that is the protective hand of God. And then in Psalm 119, look at what it says. Talks about the the protective hand of God. Boy, I like this. You are my hiding place. You are my shield. I will hope in your word. Wow. God, you know it's a, I found a place of safety here, Lord. You are my hiding place. And Lord, you've just kind of put a shield around me. You've just kind of put a shield around me. And Lord, I don't want to do anything to cause that shield to come down. I want that shield to be up. And says, you, you are my hiding place. <laughs> and you are my shield. And, uh, and we read on in, in Psalm 119, verse 14. You're my hiding place in my shield. I hope in your word. And then jump on over to verse uh, 35. No, that's not right. Verse, uh, go, go, go to one, let's go all the way to 117, okay? Hold, hold me up and I will be safe. Now this is the protective hand of God. Hold me up and I will be safe. And I shall observe your statutes continually. Then the next verse says, You reject all those who stray from your statutes, for their deceit is falsehood. And so the thing about it is, there is the protective hand of God. And there are other verses I could give you. I won't give you one at the last that would, would help you. But I am thankful for God's protective hand. Uh, I'm alive today, you're alive today because of God's protective hand. Many times we were that close to maybe having an accident or something, or or just by own choices getting places of harm. But buddy, I tell you, God's protective hand, and he protects his children. And if God is for us, who can be against us? Nothing can separate us from his love. Well, so there's the saving hand of God. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross. It's the powerful hand of God. You shall receive power after the Holy Spirit's come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me. Thank you for your guiding hand. Lord, you lead us step by step. And even if we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we'll fear no evil because you are with us. And then there's God's protective hand. But you know, this is a a blessing. And and this is something we deal with all the time. It's God's healing hand. The healing hand of God. And it's a beautiful passage in Mark 7 and following. Then I'm going to talk to you about healing. It says, they brought to him one who was deaf and had an impediment in his speech. And they begged him to put his hand on him. Here this guy uh, was deaf and he couldn't talk. And they, they begged Jesus, just put your hand on him, Jesus. Just put your hand on him. And so we read on. And he took him aside from the multitude. He put his fingers in this man's ears. And he spat and touched his tongue. You say, why in the world? Did Jesus do that? I don't know. Ask him when you see him. But that wasn't the first time he had done something unusual. You remember when the guy was blind and Jesus reached down from birth and he reached down and took some dirt and spit in it and made some spittle and he put it over the man's eyes, told him to go wash in the pool of Siloam and he came back seeing. 
Well, okay, so the man couldn't hear. So Jesus put his fingers in his ears and, and, and touched his tongue. And the Bible says, then this is what Jesus prayed. He said, then looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephaphatha, that is, be opened. So Jesus cried out, be opened. And look what happened. Immediately, his ears were opened. And the impediment of his tongue was loosed. And he spoke with plenty. That is just one example. And go on and read verse 36. And they are verse 37. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He makes both the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. Well, what do we do when we get sick? What do we do when our loved ones get sick? Well, first of all, we pray for them. We pray for their healing. And we pray, uh, and we're so thankful for the grace of God. But there's also what we call the common grace of God. The grace of God is when God directly intervenes and does what we don't deserve for us. But the common grace of God is, you know, uh, no country in the world has the uh, health care system that we have. We have hospitals. We have urgent care rooms. We have doctors. We have the latest medicines. I mean, it's amazing how the grace of God has provided for us people who can be used by God to heal us. Now, we always remember that all healing comes from God. He may use medicine. He may use doctors. He may use hospitals. But all healing comes from God. Well, then, then some people get to the place that uh, there's nothing in the common grace of God, hospitals, doctors, nurses, medicine, and so forth. There's nothing they can do. They say there's nothing else we can do. Or they keep trying to find out what's wrong so they can help you. And I appreciate that. But, you know, God divinely heals people. He miraculously heals people. There's no question about it. I've seen it witnessed it we all know it and so we pray when our loved ones have what, what the doctors call a terminal illness we not only pray when they have just regular illness but we but also we really say now lord we're at the place that we need your grace your healing grace your healing grace and obviously you've seen people get right up to the door of death god would heal them and come back but i've seen some people that died instantly. I've seen others who would get, get up to a point of healing, then go back down and die. And I quit figuring out, and we'd pray for all of them to be healed. No, we don't pray, Lord, we're glad they're sick, let them be sick and die. We don't pray that. You understand that. We pray, Lord, uh, if they're your child, then God, we, want, we ask you to heal them. To touch them. You told us if anyone's sick, pray for them pray for them. And so we do that. But then we don't understand sometimes why some people get healed and others don't. Well, we don't have to understand. It would be nice, but we have to trust. We have to trust. I was speaking with a man last evening, well, last afternoon, whose wife had died, Cindy Swan, and he was a broken man. She's just 68. He was just a broken man. And uh, I could tell he so wanted his wife to live. And he said to me, Brother Fred, he said, uh, I, I really just don't understand it. Why she didn't get well, I, I really don't understand it. And I said, well, I know what you're saying. You don't understand it. But what do you do when you don't understand it? And I will, never will forget when I was ordained to the ministry back in 1957. They, they gave me this verse at, at the ordination service. Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. 
I wish we could understand, but everything, if we could, we'd be God. But since we, get, we can't, we have to trust God. And when he, when he, when he acts and we know that we prayed, then we, re, we receive it as painful as it may be, and it is painful. But we praise him for heaven and for forgiveness of sin and for eternal life. Yea, we to pray for people to be healed. We're to use the means God has given us with doctors and nurses to help us in our healing path. And we're to take care of our bodies. It is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You notice I mentioned that last because that's hard to do. If you love ice cream, it is hard to take care of your body. And, uh, but anyway, healing is a serious thing. And I have people praying, I'm praying for right now that need a miracle of God. So I'm going to just keep praying as long as there's breath in their body. And I know you are, that God will heal them. Well, here's the last thing. Man, I'm so thankful that God put that little chorus on my heart. Precious Lord, take my hand. Lead me on through the land. You know, he said, I'm tired, weak, and warm. And so I got to thinking about the saving hand of God, the nail scarred, the powerful hand of God, the creator of this universe, who has victory over the world, the flesh, and the devil. And Jesus Christ is Lord, and Jesus Christ is King. And I thought about the guiding hand of God. You look back at, if you want to look back right now on your life, and if you're, if you're over 55, then you, you, you can just understand, understand how the unseen hand of God, the unseen hand of God just led us every step of the way. I never thought I'd spend the, uh, over 40 years of my life in Mobile, Alabama. I didn't even know where Mobile, Alabama was. I didn't even know it. But God supernaturally led me here in 1972. It was such a clear revelation from God. It wasn't a matter of I had to wish, think, or hope. I knew what God was doing. And so for 40 years later, I'm still here. You say you love Mobile. Yeah, I do. I love the people of Mobile. I love it. I don't like the driving in Mobile. And sometimes, I, but I don't murmur about anything. You understand? <laughs> What's the difference between murmuring and being concerned? You're not supposed to murmur now. I mean, really, the Bible talks about that. And so I, I just say, man, I ain't going to murmur about the hot heat. I'm not going to murmur about any of that stuff. God is bigger than that. And uh, it's a battle, but you can do it. There's the guiding hand of God. There's the helping hand of God. The protective hand of God. The healing hand of God. But the last one is the secure. Secure. Secure hand of God. And don't you love this passage? John 10, 27 through 30. John 10, 27 through 30. All right. And I just, I want you to think about how secure a person is in Jesus Christ. They're not afraid to live and they're not afraid to die. And so just listen to this word from Jesus. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. And then it goes on and says, and I give them eternal life. I know my sheep. They know my voice. They follow me. And I give them eternal life. They shall never perish. Never perish. And neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Well, my heavens. My endurance and my finishing well as a Christian is not me desperately trying to hold on to God. Oh, God, I'm just going to hold on. Uh, when Jesus saved me, he put me in his hand. No one is able to snatch them out of my hand. And when you got saved, God put you in the hand of his son. And you have been in his hand ever since. And I want to say to you, he said, I give them eternal life, uh, and uh, they shall never perish, and no one, no one can snatch them out of my hand. That is secure, absolutely. 
And he goes on in verse 29. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. You say, Brother Fred, do you feel secure in Jesus? I guess it's because you, 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 you do everything right. Oh, no, no. My security in Jesus is not that I always do the right thing. I want to. My security in Jesus is that I know that he lives in me. And I know that he changed my life. That I am a new creation. Things I used to love, I don't love anymore. And the things I used to not really be concerned about, I do. Happened when I was about 20 years old. But it's a constant thing. But you see, you understand that once you cry, you're a new creation in Christ, and he comes to live in you, and then you're in his hand, and he gives you the power to live the Christian life. You see, and I, I just tell you, I don't know what's going to happen in the world. I don't, North Korea and the summit with uh, John Kim Hu or something like that. I, I don't know what it's, I don't, I don't know about but I know one thing, whatever happens, and I hope good things happen, amen? I want the people of North Korea to know freedom. I, I do that. It, it's a passion. They're all in, in prison camps. It's the worst condition of any nation in the world. It's awful. And I do pray they're successful. But I want to tell you right now, my security does not depend on uh, diplomacy. It does not depend on anyone or anything except the living God. And my security is in Jesus Christ. And nobody can take it away. And he can't take yours away. I, I just got to read it one more time. I give to them, my sheep hear my voice. And they follow me and I give to them eternal life. And no one is able to snatch them out of my hand. And my Father who gave them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. And I and my Father are one. Precious Lord, take my hand. Lead me on. Let me Help me stand. Through the night, guide me through the night to the light. Precious Lord, hold my hand, take me home.